I trust that we want to be doers of God's Word and not hearers only. Last week we interacted with God's Word as it relates to prayer, more or less corporate prayer, husband and wife praying together, families praying together, local church praying together, ministries praying together. And if I were to go around and say, did you apply that? How would you respond? I'm not going to do that. But we are to be doers of God's Word and not hearers only. And as we interact with a portion of Scripture from Mark this morning, I trust that, again, your mindset is, I want to be a doer of God's Word and not a hearer only. This morning, our Scripture is going to be coming from Mark chapter 4, dealing with farming. So I got some questions for you. Does sowing wheat seed with a horse-drawn drill versus a huge tractor pulling a huge drill make a difference in the seed growing? You have a huge drill with a huge tractor or a horse-drawn drill. Does it make any difference in the seed growing? My next question, what takes place? Or what must take place if wheat seed is to produce a harvest? What must take place if wheat seed is to produce a harvest? Looking for a response. Time. Time. What else? Rain. What else? Pardon? Okay, seed has to die. Pardon? Fertile ground. You miss one. It's got to be planted in the soil. All that you said is true, but it's got to be placed in the soil. In this bag, I have some beans, bean seeds. If I become angry because these bean seeds are not growing, what would your response be to me? Then plant them. Now think about that, the planting part with the wheat and also the seeds as we read together Mark 4, 26 through 34. And as we read these passages, keep in mind that they are following and build upon the parable of the sower. In the parable of the sower, the main primary focus was that all seeds sown will not produce a crop, but the kingdom of God will grow while only insiders seem to understand. That was followed by the parable of the lamp. And the primary focus of the lamp was Christ came to be known, but one must choose to act on what is revealed. And the value of what one receives is dependent upon the effort applied. In the parable of the growing seed and the parable of the mustard seed, he is building upon the parable of the sower. Begin reading with verse 26. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or which parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. 
Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can purchase, perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without a parable. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. The words in verse 26, he also said, he's continuing to share. He shared the account of the parable of the sower. He shared the account of the lamp. Now he moves into the parable of the growing seed, seeking to help insiders, seeking to help the 12 and others close to him to understand the kingdom of God. The parables of the growing seed and the mustard seed, the parable of the growing seed is unique to Mark. It does not appear in any of the other gospels. Both parables repeat the image of a person sowing seed with different effects, but sowing seed. But the outcomes are different. Growing seed emphasizes the process of growth. Now you place the seed in the ground it says, night or day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though no one no, knows how. The mustard seed emphasizes the contrast between the small and great. In the mustard seed, you're beginning with the smallest seed that you would plant in the garden, but it grows into a huge plant that even the birds come and rest in its shade. Two parables dealing with sowing seed, but a different emphasis both parables are the stories of surprise. At the beginning of the parable, you wouldn't necessarily expect it to end as it does. Man scatters seed night and day, whether he sleeps or get up, gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know how. The parable of the mustard seed, you have a small seed becoming a very large plant. So it relates to the parable of the growing seed. A more commonplace thing could not be found than seed and soil and someone sowing the seed. We're dealing with a commonplace, everyday occurrence in Bible times and even in our day today. The kingdom of God is very commonplace, just like seed scattered on the ground. Ponder that. The kingdom of God is very commonplace. We, many times, like to exalt fancy things, people with titles and so on. But the kingdom of God is very common. It's like sowing seed. Believers tend to think, we tend to think that the kingdom of God should be grand and glorious, shining like a mountain, you know, peaks or crimson sunsets, and so on. The kingdom of God isn't like that. 
This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scattering seed on the ground. Very common place. Remember that Jesus was a carpenter. Remember that Jesus was born of a common virgin. He called fishermen to follow him. The paradox of the gospel, indeed, the scandal of the incarnation, is disguised in common places. The God whom Jesus introduces will not be kept at celestial's arm length. Jesus does not tell us how high and lofty God is, but how very near and present he is, and how the routines of planting and harvesting are mundane, clues to the nature of the plans of God. The kingdom of God is very routine, very mundane. It's the routine of life. A seed is not spectacular, nor does it, its laborious growth attract attention. I don't know about you, but I've never seen a farmer, I've never seen a gardener sitting out by the field or by the garden saying, boy, this is great stuff. I'm watching that seed sprout. Never saw it happen. Nor have I seen a farmer or a gardener setting out along the garden day and night and saying, boy, I'm just watching my plant grow. Although they claim you can hear corn grow, I'm not going to debate that. But what does the parable say? Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, and then the head, then the full kernel in the head. He doesn't labor over it. The seed, wholly unlike the worldly request for power, the seed is so commonplace, not like the worldly quest for power. Jesus later on addresses the worldly quest for power, but here he compares the kingdom to a man scattering seed on the ground. The kingdom of God is very commonplace, involving common people in the routine of day-by-day -day living. I think the point of the parable is that the seed grows. But it's not dependent upon the sower. All the sower does is Scatter the seed, but it grows. And the process of growth, as was mentioned earlier, takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. See, the parable of the sower said, all seed does not produce a crop, but the kingdom of God will grow. The parable of the lamp dealt with Christ came to be known Therefore, he must be shared. The parable of the growing seed involves seed being scattered, but the growth is not dependent upon the sower. 
Over the years, I've planted quite a few seeds in the garden. When I was growing up, we planted a lot of corn and wheat and some other things. But other than planting the seed and preparing the soil, you can't do much about the growth of the seed. That's the way the kingdom of God is. In the parable of the mustard seed, the point of the parable is in contrast rather than in growth. What is the contrast? What shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what, is, what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is a small seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its, can perch in its shade. There's a contrast, a small seed, but a huge plant. The advent of the kingdom of God is not something humanity brings about, but God gives. Small seed, small insignificant beginning, but God is at work. The kingdom of God rises from, rises from obscurity and insignificance. Think about the kingdom of God, but begin with John the Baptist. What did John the Baptist do? He's out in the desert eating locusts and honey, dressed in camel skin, I think I remember right. And then what happens? Christ comes along, and he's born of a virgin, a common ordinary lady, and he labors and chooses 12 men who are common ordinary people. The Old Testament prophets occasionally use the image of birds nesting in the branches to include the Gentiles, that they're going to be part of the kingdom of God. Mark is writing to Gentiles, Roman believers, an encouragement to them, hey, we're included in this kingdom of God that began as a small seed that grows into a large plant. What's the point of the parable? It seems to be that the growth of the seed scattered by the sower does not depend. I'm sorry, I got the wrong one. The kingdom of God has a small beginning, but will grow, producing great results. Now, again, let's contrast the four parables. We have the parable of the sower. All seeds sown will not produce a crop. No farmer ever gets 100% germination rate. So as we sow the seed of the gospel, we shouldn't expect that everyone who hears is going to respond. The lamp, the parable of the lamp, Christ came to be known, but one must choose to act on what is revealed. Christ, the lamp must be held up. The parable of the growing seed. The seed must be scattered, but it's not dependent upon the sower. And the process of growth takes time. And then you have the parable of the mustard seed. The kingdom of God has small beginnings, but it will grow producing great results. 
Now, in light of the parable of the growing seed, and the parable of the mustard seed, some applications, and they may be very obvious. Sow seed. Sow seed. And in the context, I think the seed is referring to Christ. His identity, his being, his character, his work, the cross, the resurrection, his glory. Sow seed. You say, Pastor, that's very obvious. But what didn't we mention earlier? The importance of sowing the seed. Well, I wonder why so-and-so doesn't respond to the gospel. Did they ever hear it? Sow seed. Oh, my coworkers are so resistant to Christ. Well, have you ever sown the seed? Sow seed. That involves verbally. Verbalizing Christ, who he is, his character, his identity, his being, his work, the cross, the resurrection, his glory. Verbally, sow seed. But I would also say sow seed with a transformed life. Seems as you study the New Testament that our transforming lives open the doors to verbalize the gospel. It's not the verbalization alone. It's not the transforming life alone. It's the two meshed together. Some people say, well, I just live my life. <coughs> Living a godly life will not bring someone to Christ. Sow the seed. But verbalizing the seed, the gospel, verbalizing Christ without a transforming life undoes the seed. Well, if that's the way Christians are, I certainly don't want to be one. Sow seed. God will take care of the, you know, it growing in his time. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head. The full kernel, the head will then appear. Now, in light of Christ using commonplace parables, the sowing is to be done by men, by women, by husbands, by wives, by fathers, by mothers, by sons, by daughters, by citizens, by employers, by employees, by students, by shoppers, by drivers, by athletes. In common, ordinary, day-by-day -day living, the seed is to be sown. We're not adding to life. I'm not saying add something to your life. I'm saying as you live your life, the parables are saying as you live your life, sow seed verbally and with your life. Sow seed. Can't grow if it's not sowing. But it's to be done in the common, ordinary, mundane routine of day-by-day -day living. Parents at times may be concerned about their children or their grown children who may have not come to Christ. Have you sown the seed? I didn't ask if you brought them to church. 
or Tawana or to teens or to Sunday school, did you sow seed as a parent? Husbands, wives, are you sowing the seed with your mate? I didn't ask you if you drug him to church. Asking if you sowed the seed. You students, you think, oh, if I can just get this kid to come to teens. No, you sow the seed for that teen. And if they come to teens, great. But you sow the seed. We're dealing with the common ordinary of life. Jesus is giving a parable. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. What should we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable should we use to describe it? It's like the mustard seed, but being planted. Just sow seed. Verbally, with your lifestyle. Sometimes we're tempted to think that if I can get the pastor, the radio speaker, or the church leader to sow some seed, they might come to Christ. You sow seed in the common, ordinary, day-by-day living, in the way you live and verbally. I may have mentioned this along the way over the years. I'm not positive. When I was delivering newspapers in Chattanooga, a guy by the name of Rusty Moon was my supervisor, area manager. And over the course of time, he had a variety of Tennessee Temple students, Christian College, you know, students deliver newspapers for him. I basically could talk to him about most any subject, and he would listen. I could say, Rusty, talk to you about Christ a little. Sure, I'll listen. I don't know if he ever came to Christ. I can't produce, or I can't make seed grow. I could only sow it. There's another guy that worked for him who was also a Tennessee Temple student. And Rusty, a number of times, said some pretty unkind things to me about that guy. What was the difference? I delivered my papers, and he didn't get tons of calls about missed papers. He never called me out of bed one time in two years because I pick up my papers at 3.30 in the morning. I was always there. I attempted to speak kindly to him and treat him as a fellow human, even though he drank excess alcohol. Just attempted to love him for who he was. In contrast, the other fellow would often have to be caught out of bed, who had missed papers, who got shot at one time because he didn't take some counsel when he was collecting money. And Rusty would not give that guy the time of day. The difference was in the common ordinary of life just the way I worked. Sowing seed is in the common, ordinary of life. Yes, we live, we work, 
According to scripture, we have ups and downs, we struggle, but we also verbalize. It's not one or the other. It's a combination of both. Again, the sowing of seed is just done in the ordinary, the routine of day by day living. You say, I don't need to add something else to my life to sow seed. No, just live life. Now, if you're inhospitable and you go into your house and never talk to anyone, that's not living life. Now, we're built for relationships. But I'm talking, I think most of us live life. Live with the mindset of sowing seed. Another application. Be certain genuine seed is being sown. You know, the correct message, Christ and his identity, his character, his being, his work, the cross, the resurrection, and glory. You say, Pastor, you seem to emphasize the character of Christ, his identity, and his being so much. I do that because the Gospels do. Have you ever stopped to consider that over 70% of the Gospels focus on the identity, the character, the being of Jesus Christ? And towards the end of each gospel, they talk about Christ and what he did in his work. What he did on the cross, what he did in the resurrection, his future glory is dependent upon who he was. In his character, in his being, in his identity. Just be sure you're sowing genuine seed. So, Got a question, a couple of questions. Are these items genuine seed, genuine gospel of Christ? Christ makes it possible to escape hell and to go to heaven. What do you think? Is that genuine seed? Just that statement alone. Christ makes it possible to escape hell and go to heaven. No? Why would you say no? It's not the essence of the gospel. Nothing is mentioned about Christ, his character, his being. A result of coming to faith in Christ is that we would escape hell and we would go to heaven. And you'll have to take my word for this, and if you want to check it out, you can. In the gospel presentations in Scripture, escaping hell and going to heaven is not mentioned. The focal point is Christ, his character, his being, his identity, the cross, the resurrection, his future glory. And again, you can check that out. How about this one? Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Just that's, that alone, you know, is... I see a head going this way. Yes, Christ died on the cross for our sins, but who is he? What if you give the message, well, Pastor Dan died on the cross for your sins. You're in trouble. But with Christ, we're not because of who he is. And that's what Mark is emphasizing as he goes through the gospel. True, yes, Christ died on the cross, but who is he? Believe in Jesus, and he will forgive your sins. What do you think about that one? Again, it's not that it's a totally false statement, but who is Jesus? What did he do? 
Why could he die on the cross for our sins? Why can't he forgive sins? I'm, in, I'm encouraging thinking as a whole. I'm not saying these statements are totally way out in left field, but thinking as a whole, Christ in his being, but also his work. A parent saying to a child, accept Jesus into your heart. Well, just that alone. Again, I think you want to go beyond that. Who is Jesus? One of the reasons the 11, I exclude Judas, were willing to die for Christ, a martyr's death, is because they were convinced of Jesus and who he was and his being and his character and his identity. It wasn't merely because of what he did on the cross. It's because of who he was. Because of who he was is why he could go to the cross and give eternal life. So I'm saying as we discuss the gospel, seek to remember Christ and his being. Wrap it up with this one. Just as farming methods in the 21st century can destroy soil and productivity, as we seek to share the gospel of Christ, we can destroy soil and productivity. Excess chemicals used on a field will destroy soil. Heavy equipment has a tremendous impact on soil. Chemicals that are used to spray on plants, on crops, along with excess fertilizer, will end up destroying the microorganisms that make soil healthy. If you can dig up soil and not find worms, you probably killed a lot of the value of the soil. Genetically altered seed, which is commonplace for most farmers nowadays, influences productivity. In the body of Christ, we can influence soil and productivity in a negative way. A couple examples. An emphasis on names. Speakers, pastors to the neglect of every believer. Oh, you got to hear this guy. You got to read this book. I'm not knocking any of them. But how about you in common, ordinary, everyday life? See, the seed is to be sown by all believers, not just a few. Another one would be emphasize or emphasis on methods, styles, programs, technology, music style, worship style, inside the four walls. No, radio, TV. No, those are the only things that we can use. And I'm not knocking any of what I have listed on the board. I'm merely saying to focus only on that destroys soil and productivity. So you walk up to some people, you say to some people in your job, in your school, Anyone ever talk to you about Jesus? You ever listen to the radio, watch TV concerning a religious program? Well, I'd never be caught dead doing that. But you're there. You can ask a lot of people in our community to come to church, and I encourage you to invite people to services, but many of them won't come for a variety of reasons. But we can reach them. Don't so focus on methods, styles, and so on that we miss 
the common, the ordinary. Emphasis on the big. Up-to-date, fancy buildings and so on has a tremendous impact, I think, in a negative way. Nothing wrong with those items. I'm not knocking them. But that, if we place our stock in them, we lose because we're affecting soil. We're affecting productivity in our day-by-day -day living. So seed. So seed. So seed. You say, I'm not educated and I'm not a smart guy. So seed. I don't care if you sprinkle it on the ground or you have a horse-drawn drill or you have a big heavy equipment. So seed. So seed. Don't worry about whether it's going to grow or not because that's up to the Lord. And don't worry about how big the harvest is going to be because God says the smallest of seed is going to be sown and it will become a big plant. Let that up to God. Sow seed. We're common. We're ordinary. Sow seed. Let's pray together.